You're listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go, a podcast that'll change how you think and change your life. I'm Willie Horton and I'm a psychologist. I've been helping people change their lives since 1996. Broadcasting from the French Alps and delighted to have you along. Let's take this week's step in the right direction. Over the last few weeks, we've been talking about what I have described as life stories, the real life stories of people who have grabbed their life by the scruff of the neck, if I can put it like that, got themselves into gear and have started living the life that they would love to live. Now, listen to me carefully, because I haven't said they have achieved a stress-free life. The stress-free bit actually is just kind of an initial bonus that you get when you take control of your own state of mind. I haven't said that they are better able to cope because that just comes with the territory as well. As we discussed a few weeks ago, something else that comes with the territory are the health benefits, the physical health benefits, never mind the mental health benefits, the physical health benefits of taking charge of your own state of mind. Healthy mind, healthy body is being proven again and again and again by modern science and modern research. I haven't said either that these people are better at living their ordinary lives day in, day out. They have transformed their ordinary lives into something extraordinary. And the extra is a really simple little plus that you need to add to your magic equation for the life that you would love to live. The magic equation is only a two-piece equation. It's really simple. I've referred to it as a two-piece jigsaw before. The first piece of that jigsaw is that they turn up to their lives. Over the last 90 episodes, this is episode 91, over the last 90 episodes, I've been talking about what we need to do and how we need to do it to turn up to the here and now. I've explained in depth and at length the benefits of meditation. I know an awful lot of people have misgivings and misconceptions about meditation. I know a lot of people are almost automatically turned off at the sound of the word. And of course, if you are automatically turned off at the sound of the word, it's normal because our normal minds, as we know from previous conversations, operate automatically. And that automaticity, as cognitive psychology calls it, is built into each and every one of us from, as we discussed recently, before we were born, in the up to three months before we were born. And that means that when we are using our minds automatically in the course of our everyday lives, those everyday lives are mundane, they're banal, they're ordinary, they are repetitive because they are automatic. Our automatic pilot, as we know from previous conversations, uses the programs that we learned during our formative years to enable us to make it through the day. Our automatic pilot 
using those programs triggers stress response again and again and again, very often on a low level background, drip, drip, drip. But all the research over the last two decades has confirmed that it is the low level drip, 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 the subtle stuff of everyday stress that will kill you through destroying your digestive system, your immune system and your cardiovascular system. In the process of this slow and painful death, it is really slow. It's subtle, as I said a moment ago, but it is painful because people feel stuck. People feel lost. People suffer from stress. People suffer from all of the afflictions of a mind out of control, or to be more precise about it, a mind that has never been taken control of by the user. The user, of course, being you. Now, we all know that we have choices to make in life and decisions to make in life. And I've been asked a couple of questions in relation to choices and in particular decision making over the last week or two, particularly since the last couple of podcast episodes that I did. And that's what I want to touch on today. But the normal mind is not capable of making any choice because the choices that the normal mind makes are automatic. The choices and decisions that the normal mind takes are driven by the programs that we learned that the automatic pilot uses that are, as I said a few minutes ago, repetitive. Of course, they're repetitive because Cognitive psychology tells us that we learn nothing new after the age of 12 or 13. And in fact, the most fundamental stuff that we learn about ourselves and how the world works is learned in the first three years of our life, with particular emphasis on the third year, when we learn how to make our way in what we think of how the world works. That means that you can't choose to change your life if you're going to use your mind ordinarily. It means that even when you hear the word meditation, you are going to not judge it, you're actually going to prejudge it. You're a prejudiced person. I'm not talking about you in particular, I'm talking about all people who are using their minds normally. We are all prejudiced people because we are constantly prejudging based on the same prejudices that we learned when we were young and impressionable. When we didn't have any filter as to sift between the prejudices that we should have taken on board and the prejudices that we shouldn't have taken on board. The fact of the matter is, though, that we're all prejudices. As I said to a group of people a couple of days ago, one of the people in the group said, oh, I'm a negative person. And I said, you need to stop talking to yourself like that because yourself is listening and you're reinforcing a label or a prejudice that you learned about yourself when you were young and impressionable. But as I said to that group, we don't want to become positive thinkers because positive thinking is just another form of thinking. It encourages our thinking mind, which is negatively biased, to continually run on the rails that were constructed by our programs and on which the automatic pilot has been running all of our adult life up to now, whilst we have tried in vain to change our lives, whilst we have tried in vain to rid our lives of the cares of this world, the stress that we feel as a result of the worries that we think that we have. In particular, the one that I keep hearing is the worry of having enough money. The 
craving for financial security or financial freedom. Again, as I've said to you before, and I say it to people frequently, there's no such thing as financial security, not at all. Nothing is secure in this life. As I've said somewhere else in the last couple of days, the only certainty that there is in life is that we are going to die. So there's no such thing as financial security, but there is such a thing as financial freedom because financial freedom, like beauty, like stress, is in the mind of the beholder. So in other words, what you have to do to begin to change your life is take control of your state of mind. It is the only way that you will move the clock. It is the only way in which you will take a step forward rather than a step around in the circle in which the automatic pilot takes the normally minded person day in, day out. The only way you're going to change your life is by taking charge of your state of mind. Now, we've, I've mentioned the M word a couple of times in today's episode. I've also mentioned the extent to which people have misgivings or misconceptions about the M word. But as I sit here recording this podcast, I know for a fact, and I can put my hand on my heart and say without fear of contradiction, that as things stand, meditation is the only scientifically validated way we as adults have of taking control of the piece of equipment between our two ears. It is the only scientifically validated way we have of developing our ability to focus. It is the only scientifically validated way that we have of turning on what cognitive psychology calls the attentional spotlight, how I focus in the here and now. And it is the only scientifically validated way that we have of developing our innate ability to make the right life choices and make the right decisions. As I said, I've been asked by a number of people over the last couple of weeks how they should come to some important decisions that they have. One particular person said to me that he was caught between two stools. He had been looking for a number of jobs, hadn't got any and decided to do some work for himself. And that is going okay, but he isn't sure whether he should stick with that or go back to looking for jobs. That's obviously an important decision. Other people have investment decisions to make. Other people have decisions to make in relation to their children's education. And I suppose ultimately the most fundamental decision that we all have to make is what kind of life do we really, really want? That's an interesting one because most people don't know the answer to that. And most people will tear their hair out trying to figure the answer to that particular question out. Not only can you not change your life until you gain control of the piece of equipment between your own two ears, you can't make any proper decisions or any proper choices until you take control of that piece of equipment. Our mind is designed to make our best decisions for us without us thinking about it. We had, we had a glimpse of how this worked a couple of weeks ago, a couple of podcast episodes back, when I talked about the girl with Lyme disease who also happened to be a dietitian and knew that the food that she was putting into her mouth every day automatically on automatic pilot was doing her harm. We discovered 
that after she had been meditating for a few weeks, and after she had discovered how to begin to manage her state of mind, not obviously just while she was meditating, because meditation is only the training, but during the course of the day, she discovered that her mind was making decisions for her without her thinking about it. I referred, it's a clear example of how we make any or every choice or decision in our lives best. She talked about sitting down in a restaurant with her friends, browsing through the menu and saying to herself, oh, yum, burger and chips it is for me again this evening with a side order of fried onions and some extra cheese and extra bacon. That's the stuff she knew was doing her damage. And she would sit down in the restaurant with her mates on a Friday night, look at the menu, salivate, and decide that's what she was going to have. But between the time she had made that wrong decision, because she had thought it through, granted she had thought it through automatically, uh, but then again, isn't all thought automatic? There's a load of research in relation to that as well. We never think new thoughts. We think the same 70,000 thoughts every day, all of her adult life. So she had thought this through. She thought it through automatically. And as I said a minute ago, when you're using your mind automatically, you're never going to change anything about anything in your life, regardless of how badly you know you need to change. This girl needed to change her diet. But after she'd been meditating for a few weeks every morning, and after she had taken on board some of the other practices and tools with which I had provided her, with which all my online program owners are provided, she found herself one Friday evening sitting in a loud bar with a gang of friends, looking at the menu, as I said a minute ago, salivating over the usual option, the sole option that she normally automatically chose. And between the time she looked at the menu and the time the order was taken, in fact, when the waitress came around to take the order, out of her mouth came the words, I'd like to have the uh, fish, please, and I'll have a side salad with that. And she said it was like she had lost control of herself, that somebody else inside her was actually making the decision for her. Now, the truth of the matter is that she had actually gained control of herself because the part of your mind that knows best, I've, and I've often used that phrase in these podcasts, the part of your mind that knows best simply ordered for her. She also talked, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, of how she would go to do her weekly supermarket shop and she would find her hand being controlled by somebody else. That, that's how she actually phrased it, that she would take something that she knew was bad for her off the shelf and suddenly her hand would put it back. And she would find her hand taking stuff off the shelf that she thought she hadn't chosen. Now, listen to what I've just said. She thought she hadn't chosen. This all boils down to how you think. When I talk about taking charge of your state of mind, essentially what I am saying to you is that you let the inner you that knows best do what it does best. I'll explain that more in just a moment. And that you park your thinking mind because, as I said a minute ago, operating on automatic pilot, you never think any novel thoughts. It doesn't matter what is going on in your life today. Your thinking mind will squeeze what is going on in your life today into the categories that it uses to pick the programs that will enable you think your way through the day to get safely back to bed without ever having changed anything in your life. That is what I referred to as prejudice earlier on.
We never think anything new as adults. UCLA in California has proved that again and again and again. We need to park our thinking minds. Meditation, you see, parks your thinking mind. Now that's, that's really only the start of it because meditation does all the opposite things to your body that I referred to when I mentioned stress earlier on. It enhances the digestive system. It enhances the immune system. It enhances the cardiovascular system. It actually undoes the buildup of bad fatty cholesterol in the cardiovascular system that is otherwise built up through the drip, drip, drip of everyday stress that I mentioned earlier on. But that is only the beginning too, because even though I said earlier on that meditation is the only scientifically validated way that you have of taking control of your attentional spotlight and focusing, even though I said that meditation is the only way that we can develop a state of mind whereby we enable our inner selves make the choices and decisions that we need to make to lead us forward in our lives and change our lives. I've undersold meditation even at that for the simple reason that science knows, and it's known for years at this stage, that people who meditate have different shaped brains to people who don't. They've taken charge of their own personal evolution, moved their being forward and changed their lives, completely changed their lives as a result. We know that meditation enables the left prefrontal cortex in the brain where the attentional spotlight is actually situated. It restructures it, it builds it bigger so that more traffic can flow down that way so that ultimately all of your neural traffic will flow down that way. You'll be using your mind in a completely new way. More importantly, from the perspective of what we're talking about today, we know that meditation restructures the subcortical brain, the insula, the amygdala, and the hippocampus. Your decision-making equipment. And that means that you can make decisions in real time, the right decisions in real time. Let me give you the classic example of how this works in practice, because this is how your brain was built in the first place. It's just that without this extra taking charge of your own personal evolution, this part of the brain that I'm about to explain as to how it works will always still only look after you in the way in which it was originally designed. The insula, the amygdala, and the hippocampus, to which I referred a moment ago, what are known in old psychology as the fear, motivation, and reward pathways of brain. These parts of the brain enable you make the right snap decisions without thinking about them to save your life. When we were hunter-gatherers, these are the parts of the brain that enabled us escape effortlessly from the man or woman eating tiger or lion or bear that would jump out of the bushes when we were out about our daily routine. In particular, the hippocampus would know, it would have a 3D map of where I'm standing when the bushes rustle and the tiger pops his or her head out and looks at me greedily. I might never have been in that place before, but the hippocampus already knows as a result of that 3D map of where I am, what the quickest route out of there is, what the least effortful route out of there is, and what the most effective route out of there is. And most importantly, it triggers me so that I just do it. My thinking mind is never involved. This is the part of your mind that will enable you to take the right stuff off the supermarket shelf, order the right stuff from the menu, 
make the right decisions today in relation to, well, actually, any decision that you have to make at all. We know from research in 2013 that this part of the brain will make decisions for you while you are asleep. Now, this should not come as any surprise because it's your thinking mind that falls asleep. It's not the real you that falls asleep. <laughs> that's, that's one reason, for example, why the real you is known in psychology as the constant observer, constantly is observing what's going on and knowing what's going on. It isn't thinking about it. It's your thinking mind that does that and it blocks what your constant observer or your gut instinct or your intuition is actually telling you. But we know from research in 2013 that if you have an important decision to make, and I'm quoting from the research now, the old adage that you should sleep on it has been scientifically validated. We know, or we knew anecdotally from surveys and research in the 1970s and 80s that all the best business decisions made by business leaders, whether it be on the FTSE 100 in the United Kingdom or the Dow Jones in the United States, all said that their best business decisions had been made using their instinct or intuition, and all their worst business decisions had been made by analysts or, God help me, accountants. Yes, some of you would be aware that in a previous life, I was that soldier. We make our best decisions when we don't think about them. And therefore, you know, somebody I was talking to a couple of years ago said to me, I have a huge decision to make in relation to a job that I have just been offered. There are all kinds of implications from a work-life balance point of view, from a where I live point of view, and from the perspective of my husband and my two daughters. And I said, how are you going about making this decision? And she said, I have a spreadsheet and I have put together a balance sheet of pros and cons. I, I, I laughed um, uh, and she knew why I was laughing because she'd been told before, because I'd been working with her for a couple of years as to how we make our best decisions. I said to her, and what does your balance sheet tell you? She said, there's exactly the same number of pros as there is cons. And I've been looking at this for weeks and I've been scratching my head, literally pulling my hair out. I said, what feels right? And she said, oh, I know what feels right. I said, well, there you are. You've already made the best decision for you. Throw your balance sheet away. In exactly the same way, so many people have said to me, moving to France when your eldest child was nearly 13 years of age, when you had three children who didn't speak a word of French, moving to France, selling up and moving to a different country must have been an enormous decision. In exactly the same way, a very good friend of mine set up a business that he longed to set up for years. He set it up when he was 58 years of age. A number of people said to him, are you mad? Well, a number of other people who, you know, kind of wished the worst for him said, were you fired? Uh, but anyway, that's, that's a digression. And we'll talk about normal crazy bad people some other time. Maybe we won't. Why would we waste our energy thinking or talking about them? But a number of his friends said, my God, that is a major decision that you have made. Both he and I gave exactly the same response to the people who had said to us separately, God, that was a huge decision. The answer was, it was no decision at all. It actually simply just felt right. It was obvious. It was blindingly obvious. In fact, it was so blindingly obvious, it felt as if it just happened. 
that I didn't make any decision at all. Exactly like my friend ordering the fish and salad or taking the right stuff off the supermarket shelf and leaving the other stuff back. You, if you have decisions to make in your life and you have one big decision straight away, am I going to take responsibility for my own state of mind so that I can begin to change my life, so that I can have a stress-free life, so that I can cope with whatever life throws at me. But as I said earlier on, that's only the starting point, so that I can live the life of my dreams. And I know that sounds like one of these motivational claptrap phrases, but I'm telling you, you can have whatever life you want once you decide to take charge of your own state of mind. You are never going to figure out anything that you need to do in your life. Full stop. I'll explain what I've just said. Figuring out is a process that is employed by your thinking mind that never thinks new thoughts. Figuring out is a process used by your thinking mind that learned during your formative years that you need to stay in your box, not get too big for your britches and run on the set of rails that your life has been running on fairly safely, maybe boringly or stressfully or <laughs> madly or crazily up to now. You will never figure out the choices that you need to make today using your thinking mind. It is amazing even the number of people with whom I've worked over the last 25, 26 years who have said to me, I'd be out on the road trying to find somewhere in my car. And, you know, my wife, this is in the days before GPS, by the way, and my wife or husband sitting beside me might say, oh, I think you need to go this way. Or didn't somebody say you need to go that way? And then it's like I have this intuition that I'll turn left where uh, my thinking mind would probably say, oh, you need to go straight on. And suddenly I find what I'm looking for. Ooh, now listen to that phrase. When you take control of the piece of equipment between your two ears, when you restructure the left prefrontal cortex, when you restructure the hippocampus, the amygdala and the insula, your subcortical brain, when you begin to flip that part of your brain from being solely focused on threats, which is the way it was originally designed. But as I said earlier on, when you meditate, you take charge of your own personal evolution, you restructure the brain and you flip that part of the brain from being solely focused on threats to being focused on threats. Obviously, we still need to keep one eye for, out for ourselves, don't we? But being focused on opportunities and most importantly, recognizing opportunities for what they are in real time. In other words, the science has moved on since 2013. Nine years ago, the science said, if you have an important decision to make, sleep on it. Now we know that if you've restructured these parts of the brain, you know in real time what's going on and you can make the choices and decisions in real time that are best for you in exactly the same way as you would have done that had you been confronted by a man or woman eating tiger a couple of thousand years ago. I mean, <laughs> think about it. I actually don't think about it. Let's think about that for a moment. If 
you had to sleep on it when you were trying to figure out what was the shortest escape route, when the tiger or lion was salivating, looking at you, you would be dead meat. Let your thinking mind go away. I actually mean that, let it go away. Because when you do let your thinking mind go away, you will find just what you're looking for. I think that is the perfect ending to what I hope you believe to have been another wonderful podcast episode. Thanks for listening in. You've been listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go. To get involved, join me in my Facebook group, strangely enough called To Succeed, Just Let Go. And for more information, visit www.willy-dash.com.